0: Good morning, one family. As you can probably tell by the palm trees behind me, I am not in St. Louis this week. I am in Phoenix, Arizona. As some of you know, uh, my mother is experiencing some health challenges and health difficulties. And so I've come down to spend some time with her and with the family. And I want you to know that I am deeply grateful and she is deeply grateful for your prayers, your encouragement and your support. Today, Pastor Mark Seagraves is going to preach part four of Promised Land. And I want to assure you, you are in very good hands. He's bringing a word from God today that I know will encourage you and inspire you to walk in the promises that God has for your life. So please welcome Pastor Mark. I want you to know, uh, one family, that I love you. I thank God for you. And I can't wait to see you next Sunday. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with you today. Uh, I am sure that no one tuned in right now to this service, spent 2020 watching the news, reading the news, listening to the news. I know that no one did that. So I, I just want to share some news with you this morning for 2020, just just a few uh, headlines uh, just to make sure you didn't miss anything. So you know what kind of a year we had in 2020. So here's a headline from uh, a publication, a news publication in the UK. Okay, this is the headline. Couples living separately can meet up in parks starting Wednesday, but stay two meters apart. Does that sound familiar to anybody from 2020? All right, let me give you another one. This is actually from the NPR. This is a headline. This is the kind of stuff we had in 2020. NPR headline, instead of throwing out your Christmas tree, why not eat it? No joke, that is a headline from the NPR. Let me give you one more because this is just helping us kind of remember what 2020 was all about. Another news source, their headline said, apocalypse now. Mayan calendar was wrong and the world will end next week, bizarre conspiracy theorist warns. Does that help? Do you remember 2020 now? You know what, you know what that was all about? Well, listen, I actually have some really good news for you right here at the beginning of 2021. Are you ready? Because here it is. The good news is that you and I can actually have a relationship with God. That's right. That, that's good news. Don't don't turn off this newscast right yet. Seriously. Because this is one that will change your life. We really can be close to God. We really can hear the voice of God. And when we hear God's voice, we can experience freedom from our past. When we hear God's voice, we can find peace in our present. When we hear God's voice, we can find direction for our Future. If, if you're not familiar with this language, the idea of a relationship with God, the idea of being close to God, the idea of actually hearing the voice of God, this might throw you a little, but let me just encourage you. We're not talking about something weird here. We're not talking about something that requires a specific physical posture or perhaps smoke from just the right candle or, you know, the incantation of a specific chant, What we're talking about here really goes to the core of who and what God really is. He's not some distant incorporeal spirit without feeling or without purpose or without intent. He is alive. He is permeating everything that is. He is existing inside and outside everything at the same time. He is before time he is in time he is after time at the same time he is eternal and yet he is bigger than eternity he is far away and yet he is so near that he can be within us and this incredible god wants to be in relationship with you and me his heart for us, is it's not just to see us actively engaged in some spiritual enterprise. He wants an intimate relationship. And the word that keeps coming to me is the word voice. He has always wanted to hear our voices and he has always wanted to share his voice with us in intimacy, in conversation. So let me just quickly go to the beginning of the word of God and show you how vital his voice is from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 through 3, it reads this way, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light and God said. The voice of God was right there in the beginning. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, his voice speaks 10 times. 10 times it says, and God said into the nothingness, into the chaos, God begins to speak and order begins to emerge from chaos. Life springs from nothing at his spoken word. So everything begins with his word. In fact, If you look at Hebrews 11 and verse 3 in the New Testament, this is what it says about his voice. It says, by faith, I'm reading from the Amplified uh, translation, it says, by faith, that is, with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God, we understand that the worlds, universe, ages, were framed and created, formed, put in order, And equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. So the scripture teaches us that things began with his voice. But not only did they begin, everything is actually held together by his voice. Let's go back in Hebrews to chapter 1 and verse 3. And this is what it says again from the Amplified Translation. It says, The sun, this is S-O-N, this is Jesus, says the sun is the radiance and the only expression of the glory of our awesome God. God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, the light being, the brilliant light of the divine and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his father's essence. We're still talking about Jesus here. It says, and upholding and maintaining and propelling all things the entire physical and spiritual universe by his powerful word. That's right. The sun rises and sets. The moon circles the earth in its gravitational orbit. And the stars maintain their course because of the power of his voice. So it began with his voice. Everything continues to be held together by his voice. And watch this, When this age comes to an end, it will come to an end with his voice. Revelation 21, verse 3, again from the Amplified. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will live among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. There is something so powerful and so intimate about the voice of God. As someone who has consumed way too much social media in the past year, as someone who has consumed way too much of the news in the past year, someone who has spent way too much time listening to the voices of others, I have to be honest with you i need the voice of god in my life i was created for that voice we were created for that voice for that relationship we're in this series called promised land if you have missed any of the messages by pastor brent over the last several weeks i encourage you go back and watch every single one of them get on our website get on our youtube channel and watch the messages from this series, The Promised Land. Today, I want to continue that series with a message I'm calling, Climb the Mountain, A Call to Intimacy with God. Climb the mountain. That'll make sense here in just a moment. We're actually in this incredible story of God delivering Israel from 400 years of slavery in Egypt and taking them to the Promised Land. But right at the beginning of their journey, right after they... Uh, are delivered from Egypt, something happens just a few months in that at first glance can be a little bit confusing, and we're going to take a moment to look at that. But before we get to that, I want to take you to the mountain of Moses' calling. I want to take you to the place where God is actually speaking to Moses about going to Egypt and confronting Pharaoh and telling him to let God's people go. So in Exodus 3 and verse 11, Moses says to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God responds this way, watch this. He says, I will certainly be with you. Now, there's something happening in the Hebrew language that we don't pick up on in the English language of our translation, so let me just tell you what's happening here. God says, I will certainly be with you. He's using a singular word there talking to Moses. I'm going to be with you, Moses. And this shall be a sign to you, again, singular. This shall be a sign to you, Moses, that I have sent you, Moses, singular. And when you, Moses, singular, have brought the people out of Egypt, watch this, you, now he's plural. He says, you shall serve God on this mountain. Really what he's saying there is, Moses, I'm going to be with you, but when the people of God come out of Egypt, you and the people that I have called out are going to serve me on this mountain. That's your destiny, Moses. That's the destiny of the people of God. You are going to serve me on this mountain. You're going to have a relationship with me like you've never dreamed possible while you were stomping around in the brick pits of Egypt. This is God's desire for his people. And he reveals more about it in Exodus 19. I'm going to share a little bit of that with you because this is where that problematic passage is. He's revealing his desire for the people of Israel. This Remember, this is after they've been delivered from Egypt. This is after they've crossed the Red Sea, and they've already been on the road for several months on their way to the promised land. And it says this at the beginning of Exodus 19. In the third month, three months after they left, after the Israelites went out from the land of Egypt, on the very day they came to the desert of Sinai. Sound familiar? Because this is the mountain of Moses' calling. Verse 2, after they had journeyed from Rephidim, they came to the desert of Sinai and they camped in the desert. Israel, it says, camped there in front of the mountain. verse 3 says, Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain. Thus you will tell the house of Jacob and you will declare to the people of Israel. And this is what God wants them to hear. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I lifted you up on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And now, if you will diligently listen to me and keep my covenant, he's getting ready to reveal what kind of a covenant that is, then you will be my special possession out of all of the nations, for all the earth is mine. And he goes on in verse 6 and says, you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words That you will speak to the Israelites, Moses. So Moses came in verse seven and summoned the elders of Israel. He set before all them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together. This is what they said to the word of the Lord. All that the Lord has commanded us, we will do. So Moses brought the words of the people back to the Lord. So here they are. They're in close proximity to the mountain. They're camped right at the base of the mountain, getting ready to step into their destiny in relationship with God. And God reveals to Moses what he desires for his people. If you were to skip ahead to verse 9, you will see that the covenant that God wanted to establish with Israel was not a covenant of the law. It was actually a covenant of faith. Verse 9 says this. It says, I will come to you and speak with you and speak with the people, and they will hear my voice. Moses, just like you're hearing my voice, the people of God are going to hear my voice, and they are going to believe It was going to be a covenant of faith. We go back to verse 6, and it says, they're going to be a kingdom of priests. What does that mean? A priest is someone who has direct access to God. He says, we're not going to just have a handful of people in the nation of Israel with direct access to me. It's going to be an entire nation of priests with access to God. And verse 13 says, I'm going to invite all of the people to come up on this mountain with me. Now, this is where it gets a little confusing. Because if you continue to read in Exodus 19, you'll see that God actually tells them not to climb the mountain. He says, look, I want you just to take a few days. In fact, I want you to take three days specifically, and I want you to prepare yourselves because you're getting ready to come up on the mountain. This, this is special. I'm thinking back to Pastor Brent's uh, message last week and how he was talking about an appropriate fear of the Lord because God is holy and God is awesome. And so God says, look, don't come up on the mountain yet. You're getting ready to, but I want you to prepare yourself. In fact, he tells them, I want you to wash your clothes. You've been traveling in the desert for the last three months. It's, it's probably time to go ahead and wash your clothes and get ready to come up the mountain. So when we read this language about not coming up the mountain, it sounds a little bit confusing. So let me read it to you. This, is, this sounds really serious. God says in verse 12, you must set boundaries for the people all around saying, take heed to yourselves not to go up on the mountain nor touch its, its edge. Now watch this, get serious. Whoever touches the mountain will surely be put to death. Verse 13, no hand will touch them, but he will surely be stoned or shot through whether a beast or a human being He must not live. This sounds really serious. God is saying, you prepare yourself because I'm going to call you up into the mountain to be in my direct presence. That almost sounds like he's saying, don't come up. But watch the next phrase of Exodus 19, verse 13. But when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they may go up on the mountain. In other words, you've prepared you're ready. You washed your clothes. And suddenly God comes down on the mountain. And the ram's horn is blown. And he's saying, Moses, I don't want just you to come up on the mountain. I don't want you and Aaron to come up. If you read it in another place, Moses and Aaron and Joshua all went up on the mountain. No, no, no. He says, I want all of the people to come up on the mountain when they hear that horn blow. So they prepared. And the day came. When God was going to call them up on that mountain. Verse 16 of that same chapter says, and on the third day in the morning, there was thunder and lightning and a dense cloud on the mountain. And watch this, the sound of a very loud horn. This is God calling Israel up on the mountain. He's saying, It's time to enter into a relationship with me like you've never experienced before. Come up on the mountain with me. But this is what it says. All the people who were in the camp trembled. In other words, when the opportunity came to climb the mountain, they were full of fear. Verse 17, it says, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their place at the foot of the mountain. Their Other translations actually say they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. They were basically saying, look, Moses, look, God, I am not going any further than this right here. I, I just don't want to get that close. This is some pretty serious stuff. Verse 18 actually says, now Mount Sinai was completely covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire and its smoke went up like the great, the smoke of a great furnace and the whole mountain shook violently. But watch what it says. The horn, the sound of the horn grew louder and louder. It's almost like God is saying, come on, get past your fear, get past your worry, get past your doubt and climb the mountain up to where I am. Let's be in relationship together. But as the horn grew louder and louder it says only Moses was speaking and God was answering him with a voice. You can see the problem. God in all of his greatness, all of his power, all of his glory is inviting them to climb the mountain and they were not having it. You can actually see another count of their an account of their response in the next chapter. If you go to Exodus 20 verses 18 and 19 it says that all the people were seeing the thundering and the lightning And heard the sound of the horn and saw the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled with fear and watched this phrase and kept their distance. And then they said something that was going to transition the kind of covenant that God wanted them to have, the covenant of faith into something else. They said to Moses in verse 19, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. You go back to Exodus 19, that's how they responded. They responded in verse 16, in fear. Verse 17, they refused to go up the mountain when God called them. And verse 19, they rejected the intimacy that God was offering. And as a result, this is where the passage was a little confusing. In chapter 19 and chapter 20, Because what had been a temporary restriction about coming up the mountain just for three days while they prepared themselves, God says, now it's going to have to be a permanent restriction. Nobody can come up the mountain. We're going to have to find another way for you to put your trust and your faith in God and enter into relationship with him. There's good news coming, so stay with me. In this context, instead of choosing faith, they wanted the law. You tell us what to do. Instead of intimacy, it says they chose distance. Moses, you go up on the mountain for us. We we don't want to go there. And all of this happened because they missed one of the most important factors in a relationship with God. And we find it in Hebrews 11 and verse 6. And again, I'm reading this from the Amplified. It says, but without faith. If you're sitting in your living room or wherever you're watching this, just look at the person with you and just say, faith. It takes faith. But without faith, it is impossible to walk with God and please Him. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists, but beyond that, that He rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek Him. Even though God had delivered them out of Egypt, helped them to cross the Red Sea, destroyed the Egyptian armies, had brought them into the wilderness, had fed them, had provided water for them, had done miracles, signs, and wonders, as they faced the mountain, they could not trust him. So they ran. They ran from closeness. They ran from intimacy with God. I want to ask you, why why do we do that? Why do I do that? Why do we run from intimacy with God? I think that if we look in the Scripture, we can actually look at three snapshots from the entire story of the Bible to identify the primary reason why we run from God. So let me give you those three snapshots really, really quickly. If you go back to the very beginning, the story of Adam and Eve in the garden, You see, this couple who has been created by God, blessed by God, given an awesome job by God, an incredible mission. He tells them, Don't sin. There's only one way you can sin. There's a million ways you can live for me and enjoy life, but there's only one way you can sin. They chose sin. And the second that they chose sin, they were filled with shame and they were filled with guilt. And the story says that they ran and hid themselves from the presence of God. Shame and guilt cause us to run from intimacy with God because we feel like we just can't trust him with our brokenness. Another snapshot is here at the mountain, what we've been talking about. There's something about coming into the awesome presence of of God, the reality of who he is and what he is. And yes, it could be a little bit frightening because in our heart of hearts, we know that he is holy and that we are not. We know that he is perfect and that we are not. And there's something about the idea, the implications of coming into the direct presence of God. We know in our deepest parts that it will change us forever. And sometimes we have a hard time, again, trusting him. Let me give you one more snapshot. This is jumping forward in the story, but now on the cross. We were in the garden. We were at the mountain. Now we're seeing Jesus on the cross, and there's something about the message of Jesus. We're going to talk about it more in just a little bit, but there's something about the message of Jesus that we stumble over. Paul actually described it as that. He says, man, to the Jews This is just a stumbling block, the idea of Jesus on the cross. And to the Gentiles who look for wisdom, Jesus on the cross is just foolishness. Why is it that we, that we have a hard time with accepting Jesus on the cross? The reason why is because Jesus is saying, I'm going to take your sin, I'm going to take your brokenness, I'm going to fix all of this in the universe and in your life, all of the brokenness. I'm going to take it on myself and I'm going to fix it. And there's something about us, even though we have failed at everything else in our life, we still think that we can fix ourselves again it comes back to we can't trust him. That's why we run from intimacy with God because at the deepest level, we find it difficult to trust him with everything without trusting ourselves a little bit. And so we prefer distance and we keep keep him distant so many different ways. For example, one of the things that I'm really good at is distraction. It's diversion. Just don't think about God at all just fill your life with so much stuff that you have moments where he is not even in your awareness or in your consciousness, distraction, diversion. Other people will try philosophical rumination. I mean, they'll try to think so deeply, they'll actually try to think above God a little bit. Or maybe those who are really spiritual, they'll try some theological speculation. And that's actually not a bad thing. But here's the problem with theological speculation. You're trying to understand an infinite God with a finite language and a finite mind. You can't understand everything there is to understand about him. But we use all of these different ways to create distance. And listen, we were not created for distance. So maybe you're asking the question, look, that... How do I get this? How do I have a relationship with a God that I'm constantly running from? How, how do I have a relationship with God that I have a hard time trusting because I think I can take care of this? How do I climb the mountain into the presence of God and have a relationship with him like I've never had before? Let me give you just a few and then I'm, then I'm done. The first thing you've got to realize is that you really were created for his voice. You were created for that conversation. You were created for that relationship. In Genesis 3:8, remember, this is Adam and Eve. They've just sinned. They've just, they have they have run away. They, have, they are hiding themselves from the presence of God. And the Bible says, like he always did, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Do you know what it was like before they fell? Before they sinned, before they went against God, God would come down to them in the garden and he would speak with them and he would talk with them. Maybe they're picking some fruit off of one of the trees that they were allowed to eat from and he was just enjoying time with them. But this time, because of sin, they were running and hiding, but he still came looking for them the voice of the Lord God. It's because we were created for his voice. It's so important. We cannot exist without it. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 4 and verse 4. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And actually the Greek language behind that text indicates it's the words that are continually coming from the mouth of God. Not just what he said in the past, but what he's continuing to say right now. So that brings me to number two. We have to recognize that he is speaking right now in fact job 33 and verse 14 i love this from the new century version says god does speak sometimes one way sometimes another even though people may not understand it in another translation it says god speaks in different ways and we don't always recognize his voice but he's speaking i'll give you three really practical ways he can speak to you right now he'll speak to you in prayer if you'll spend just a moment having a conversation with God, if you'll talk, and I realize we're good at talking to God. I talk at him all the time. I talk to him a lot. But I rarely take a moment just to stop and listen for his voice, for just that, what are you trying to say to me, God? He's speaking. He could speak to you through prayer. So excited coming up next month, just about a month from now, we're doing 40 days of prayer and fasting leading up to Easter. It's going to be powerful, and we're going to hear the voice of God during that time. You can also actually hear the the voice of the Lord through his word. Our scripture team is actually really involved also in this 40 days of prayer and fasting. A lot of scripture involved in that. But I want to encourage you too. It's the beginning of the year. Jump into reading your Bible. Make it a habit. Get into the word of God. He can speak to you. You you may have read a passage a hundred times, but there's something about the spirit of God. You, You read it again and all of a sudden he says something brand new in that moment. God can speak to you. And I'll give you another one that's interesting is he can speak to you through his family. That's right. The family of God, the children of God, the other people who are following God, many times they'll say something. They may not even realize in the moment that it is really God speaking to you about something in your life, but You hear that, and that's one of the reasons you say, why do you guys always promote life groups? Why are you guys always talking about getting together in small groups? Listen, sermons on Sunday are awesome. At least I I hope this is good. Uh, Pastor Brent, always awesome. Sermons are great. But listen, getting together in small groups with people that are of faith and that they love God just like you love God, God does something right there in the middle of that. Let me give you another one. This is so important when it comes to climbing the mountain, hearing the voice of God, entering into that relationship is I've got to reject the voices of others. That's difficult. There's so many voices. But Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep know my voice, and I know them. Verse 5 of that same chapter says, Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Listen, I realize that there are so many voices speaking to you and at you and over you. I think one of the most startling pictures is to see this idea in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, of the accuser of the brethren, the enemy, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, Beelzebub, that the accuser of the brethren, literally, it says, He accused them, believers, followers of Jesus, before our God day and night. Voice of accusation, voice of condemnation, voice of hopelessness. But that verse says that that accuser has been cast down. We reject the voices of others and listen to the voice of the one. Let me give you one last one. And perhaps this is the most important to enter into this relationship, to climb the mountain and engage in intimacy with God, I've got to receive God's son. This is so important because there are people that are, there's people in the world today that sincerely believe, this is not judgment against them, they sincerely believe that there's a million different ways that you can get to God. But God says, this is interesting, Hebrews 1 verses 1 and 2, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. He spoke it many times. He spoke in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God was basically saying, look, if you won't come up on this mountain, I'm going to come to you in your valley. If you can't stand the fire then I'm going to show you that I can be your friend. If you can't stand the mountain, I'm going to reveal myself as a man. Listen, if you're feeling far from God today, the, the distance was never God's idea. If you're feeling like you haven't heard from God in a long time, the silence was never God's idea. He has been doing everything that he could from the very beginning. Remember, this all started with Adam and Eve running from God. But in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God actually promises, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to send a deliverer. I'm going to send a Messiah. I'm going to send a Savior, and he is going to fix this sinfulness, and he is going to fix this distance so that we can have a relationship with God. Thousands of years later, in fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament, God reveals himself in Jesus. In John 14 and verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And watch this. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one climbs the mountain except through me. No one has an intimate relationship with God except through me. I love this because really what this is saying is that Jesus' mission It's gonna sound familiar, is to bring people and God together in love. That's what Jesus came to do. He says, You can't get to God on your own, but through me, everyone can come to the Father. He said this in John 1 and verse 18. He says, No one has ever seen God. Too great, too mighty, too powerful, fire too hot, lightning too bright, thunder too loud. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, that son has made God known. Jesus has made him known. He's become available. He's become accessible. And now there's no reason to fear the fire. There's no reason to fear the thunder or the lightning or the smoke on the mountain. Listen, my brokenness, your brokenness did not surprise our heavenly father and it certainly did not incapacitate him from being able to reach us. One of my seminary professors many, many years ago said, look, you don't have a sin problem anymore. You have a son problem. What will you do with the son of God? Can you accept what he has done for you. I'm closing. Jesus is the answer to the shame and guilt that started in the garden. Jesus is the answer to the fear of his holiness and the reality of our imperfection that was in very clear distinction on the mountain. And Jesus is the answer to the delusion that we can save ourselves. And this is what that looks like. Romans 5 and verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. While I was sinning, while I was rejecting, while I was fearing, while I was doubting, while I was running, he died. And now, a verse that I live in pretty much every day of my life, 1 John 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're just willing to admit today that word confession actually means to agree with God about the nature of what's going on. God, I I agree with you. What I've been doing in my life is sin. It's missing the mark. It's, it's not your desire for my life. It's not your will for my life. If I'm willing to do that, then he says every single time, I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to wash you clean. You're going to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. And watch the result. For those of you that are still standing at the foot of the mountain, and you've been kind of resolute, I'm not taking a step further because I know how messed up I am. Watch what happens because of Jesus, Ephesians 2.13. But now, in Christ Jesus, not because I made my own way, not because I fixed myself, not because I found a way to be holy on my own, now in Christ Jesus, because I'm in him, because I'm trusting in him, because I'm believing in him, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You can climb the mountain. You can accept the invitation to intimacy with God because he loves you. And the good news is this. God wants to have a relationship with you. You wonder about that? Let me give you another picture. Because this picture is painted by Jesus himself in Revelation 3 and verse 20. He said, listen, I am standing at the door and I'm knocking If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into his home and I will share a meal with him and he with me. Intimacy, conversation, relationship with God. If you're feeling anything stirring within you right now, something in your heart is just stirring up and you're like, man, I want some of that. I want a relationship with God. Please understand this. That is not you. And that is certainly not the enemy. That is the voice of God calling you to climb the mountain, inviting you to an intimate relationship with him. And I've got a promise for you from the word of God for 2021. And that's James 4 and verse 9. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let me pray for you. Father, right now in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you because you have removed every obstacle, every barrier, every hindrance to relationship with you. All of these barriers that we ourselves have created. You are the voice searching for us in the garden. You are the thunder and the lightning and the fire on the mountain, God. But you are also revealing yourself in Jesus on the cross, demonstrating your love for us, dying for us so that we can live and be in relationship with you. God, I pray for every person right now who is not just experiencing social distance, but they've been experiencing spiritual distance. And I pray, God, that you would give all of us the courage to believe, the courage to have faith, the courage to trust you enough to lay down all of our own efforts and to accept what you have done for us to give us the opportunity to be in relationship with you. I pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I want to encourage you to respond to this message uh, this morning in one of several ways. First of all, if you have made the decision to follow Jesus, you've made the decision to trust what Jesus has done, his death, his burial, his resurrection, to trust him as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you to fill out the connection card. Uh, There's a link right below this video. Uh, There's a link in the chat room. And just let us know what God is doing in your life. It's also a way for you to share prayer requests or other things. But we want to celebrate with you uh, what God is doing in your life. Another way that you can respond uh, to the message today is by joining a life group. We talked about how God can speak to you even in the context of a life group. And our our online life group catalog is now available on our website. Check that out. Um, And then there's also a training right after this service at 1045 a.m. on Zoom. Uh, for you to become a life group leader. Uh, If you're interested in that, you can join me at 1045. Use the link that's below this video or in the chat. Uh, And you can join us uh, so that you can respond by being a part of a life group or... Uh, by leading one Uh, another way that you can respond uh, to the message this morning is through your giving if you want to partner with us uh, to bring this mission to fulfill this mission of bringing people and God together in love locally and nationally and globally uh, you can give your tithes and your offerings through one family church you can do that on our website or through the links that are provided below or in the chat and then finally we're going to respond to the message today uh, one more way and that's through communion Uh, We're going to affirm that we have put our faith and our trust in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. That we are, we're going to give up the attempts to fix ourselves, to stop running, and to just accept what He has done for us. And we do this because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, He actually took bread and He broke it. And He said, Take and eat this is my body broken for you. Then he took the cup, he poured the wine into the cup and he said, drink, this is my blood of the new covenant that is being poured out for you. Do this in remembrance. I want to thank you for joining us today. It's been a great day. Worship the word. You've got an opportunity to connect. I hope you join me today for life group leader training at 1045 AM until next week. I'm praying for you that you'll climb the mountain and experience a relationship with God like you've never had before.